The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans, and welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast on buffalorumblings.com. And everywhere else you go to find your podcast, we are a proud member of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel, which you can find by searching for Buffalo Rumblings on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere else you go to get your podcast. My name is John Boccasino, your longtime host of this program, being joined, of course, by Jamie D'Amico here as we are getting you ready for Buffalo's Week 2 showdown with the New York Giants. The Bills have their second straight game in the state of New Jersey to open the 2008. 19 season Buffalo coming off the thrilling 17 16 come from behind victory over the New York Jets this past Sunday to win their season opener while the New York Giants had a hard time in week one against the uh, potent Dallas Dallas Cowboys offense they dropped a 35 to 17 decision and uh, Jamie a lot of let's dive right into this preview with the Giants coming up here because we've known you know forever that the Giants have their quarterback who's playing now in Eli Manning and their quarterback of the future in Daniel Jones. Um, we're not going to see, in bearing an injury, we're not going to see Daniel Jones uh, play in this matchup at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. But Eli Manning, he gets a lot of scrutiny from the media. He gets a lot of scrutiny from fans. He seems to keep producing year after year, and it's not his fault. That the defense was atrocious last year en route to the the last place finish in, in the NFC East. What do you make of the Giants' aging quarterback, Eli Manning, and what challenge he might pose on Sunday? He's really been the poster boy of who takes blame when the Giants aren't playing well. And at 38 years old, you you could certainly say that he's a bit long in the tooth. I was looking back at his numbers, and they don't look terrible um, over the past few seasons. Now, uh, three years ago, he really had a clunker, but... You know, even going back to last week, uh, the Giants put up over 400 yards of offense and Eli himself was 30 for 44 for 306 yards. That's a pretty good day. And I realized that they were playing from behind and they had to do a lot of uh, a lot of chucking, as they say. But, you know, I, I think that he's a guy who can still be dangerous in the right situation. Unfortunately for him, that situation doesn't seem to be 
working out right now. They signed Golden Tate in the offseason, and he was supposed to be an excellent receiving threat as he has been the past few years in Detroit. Well, he's suspended, and it looks like Sterling Shepard, who's been their number one wideout for a couple of years now, he's in concussion protocol, and today, well, I'm sorry, Wednesday, the uh, Giants went ahead and signed a receiver, and that tells me that Sterling Shepard's probably not going to be cleared to play. I, I, Eli, at this point, needs all the weapons he can grab. Yeah, it really... Uh, Listen, Eli Manning, you know, he he's an elder statesman amongst the quarterbacks. He's accomplished quite a bit in his career. He's got those two Super Bowl victories over the New England Patriots, which, of course, all Bills fans will champion him as a tremendous quarterback. And he's going to make the Hall of Fame one day based on his resume. I agree. I feel like Eli always unfairly got a lot of the wrath and a lot of the criticism from his fans. You know, his performances. I mean, he's you know, his the offensive line was atrocious. You know, last year he still threw for over 4,000 yards. Um, you know, the Giants had a lot of flaws, and I don't think Eli was the scapegoat that should be taking all of the, the negativity. And it wasn't Eli's fault, you know, that they lost the game the way they did to the Cowboys. I mean, it was 35-17. Eli did lead them downfield uh, for a touchdown, I believe, on their uh, very first possession. It was a seven-plane, 91-yard drive. Now, a lot of this was Saquon Barkley as well and Evan Engram, the talented tight end. Um, basically, Eli was mixing it up, you know, passing it, handing off to Saquon. And then, of course, he had a quick slant touchdown pass to Evan Engram for a 7 nothing lead. So, I don't know. Eli gets much maligned out there. I, I still feel like the Jets are best serve keeping him under center because Daniel Jones is a raw, raw prospect who is just not ready for for prime time. And you mentioned the wide receiver injuries and, uh, you know, Giants fans coming into the season knew that the team was going to be without Odell Beckham Jr., who, of course, was dealt to the Cleveland Browns in the offseason. The loss of Shepard is a huge blow with a concussion. He hasn't been ruled out. You're right. He has not been ruled out so far for the week two showdown. But I don't know if I if Sterling Shepard's going to get cleared in time because the concussion protocol can be dicey to make your way all the way through. And if he doesn't appear in the lineup on Sunday at MetLife Stadium, the Giants are really going to be bare bones at the wide receiver unit. You're looking at Cody Latimer as your number one wide receiver on this team. And Latimer did have three catches for 74 yards against the Cowboys. I would think for the Bills, if Shepard misses time and Golden Tate is suspended, which he is for the first four games of this season, you're going to see a lot of tight end action from Eli Manning to Evan Engram, who, as it is, already caught 11 receptions on 14 hits in week one. What do you see the, the tight end matchup with Engram uh, matching up with Buffalo's linebackers? You know, a minute ago, I said that Sterling Shepard has been a number one receiver for a couple of years. How quickly I forgot about Odell Beckham Jr. Huh. Going back to your question there, Evan Ingram is, he's a tough matchup. And I'm going to look at that very similarly to how we looked at the slot position last week for the Buffalo Bills. And they were using a lot of Matt Milano and uh, Saran Neal to cover, <clears throat> to cover uh, Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield and some of the tight end coverage. It depends on how well those two play. Uh, that's what I'm imagining. Uh, those two, plus perhaps Jordan Poyer coming down, trying to lock them up man to man. But it seems like with the with the injuries that they have at the wide receiver position and the suspension, 
it's very likely that you're going to see double teaming on the one receiving threat that they have. You'll have probably a linebacker and a safety or a corner and a linebacker really bracketing Ingram on each play. And frankly, I I think with the injuries that they have, the Giants are only going to go as far as Saquon Barkley is going to take them. Now, listen to this statistic. The Giants are one in nine when when Barkley carries 15 times or less. Last week, he ran 11 times. This week, I guarantee you he's going to see the ball in his hands far more frequently because the offense, I mean, he's by far and away the most talented guy on their roster and one of the best running backs in the league. It just makes all the sense in the world to ride him into the ground if you can. And Saquon Barkley, of course, is the phenomenal product out of Penn State, who the Giants took last year uh, with the team thinking that they were not that far off from competing for a playoff berth. Of course, nothing could prove further than the truth. The Giants were a dumpster fire last year. And, uh, you know, this year, Saquon Barkley, last week against the Giants, for example, he ran the ball only 11 times, like Jamie said, for 120 yards, which is an average of 10.9 yards a carry. You had a nifty 59-yard run mixed in there as well. He did, of course, catch four targets or four passes out of six targets out of the backfield for 19 yards total. So you definitely can imagine, Jamie, a scenario where, you know, the Giants really try to pound Saquon Barkley repeatedly to try to stay in this game. They just give him the rock time and time again. And we kind of touched on this a little bit during the uh, the Jets preview podcast with Le'Veon Bell and the challenge that he presented. But Buffalo, for as great as in overall defense and passing defense allowed, the run defense is one area where this unit can be had and there can be some yards to be gained for the opposition. So if you are Leslie Frazier, for the defensive coordinator for the Bills, what are you trying to do to slow down Saquon, knowing that he is there outside of Evan Engram and way more than Evan Engram, this offense runs entirely through Saquon Barkley? I think what I'm doing, if I'm Leslie Frazier, I'm stacking the box. I'm putting eight guys in there because I'm not afraid of the receivers and I'm probably going with the zone defense uh, to try to keep try to keep the running back in front of me in front of my defense Um, I want I want my players looking into the backfield and I want them to be able to run up to the line of scrimmage and really gang tackle him if they can he is a fierce player and bounces off of tackles like uh, like he's a pinball out there um, it, it's going to take, it's going to take more than one person to take him down most of the time. But in addition to being that strong, he's also very elusive. So it, it's, it's going to be a team effort to slow him down. And I think between stacking the box and having his own, uh, we're going to see an awful lot of that along with uh, some run blitzes to try to plug in the, the holes along the line. We saw in week one in this exact same stadium, the Buffalo Bills, Arnold Jerry, one and a half sacks. Shaq Lawson was quite disruptive. Ed Oliver had a tremendous welcome to the NFL moment pushing around the pile and really getting constant pressure on Sam Darnold with the knowing that the giants like to run the ball and that Evan Engram is going to be a major part of their offense. I'm sure the bills pass rushers really want to get after Eli who does not handle the pressure very well at all. What about the matchup between Buffalo's pass rushers and the giants offensive line? Who do you think has the edge there? 
I think Buffalo definitely has the edge there. Um, between Jerry Hughes and Ed Oliver getting off the line really quick, the offensive line has been a, a real source of contention for the Giants over the past few years. And, you know, last year they were 5-11. and 11. The year before they were 3-12. and 12. And the biggest thing that Giants fans and media types have been talking about was the pathetic play of the offensive line. And they've been working to address it. So it's not as bad as it had been. I, I think that Dave Gettleman probably thought that was something he wanted to improve upon Dave Gettleman being the general manager when he was bringing in a a rookie quarterback. You don't want to have a a David Carr situation where your offensive line basically ruins the guy because they can't protect him. I I think you're going to see fewer blitzes because there's less need to go after Eli Manning and more more linebackers looking into the backfield uh, to stop the run. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, when it comes to, uh, you know, the other side of the ball uh, with with Buffalo, and we'll get into the defensive matchups for the Bills here, too, but focusing on Buffalo's offense uh, with Josh Allen, of course, being a strong quarterback for the Bills, Cole Beasley and John Brown having a solid debut for Buffalo. John Brown caught seven passes for a buck 23 in the 38-yard game-winning touchdown. Cole Beasley heavily involved on the first two drives, five yards for 40, five catches for 40 yards, rather. He was spotted in practice today working diligently on scooping low balls and making the catch on the low balls. Of course, his uh, ball that bounced his hands led to the pick six for the Jets that C.J. Mosley took to the house in week one. Buffalo clearly has talent at the wide receiver position. When you look at the, the Giants, how do you think Buffalo and Josh Allen and Brian Dable will game plan for the Giants' corners and, and maybe try to use their strengths to exploit the Giants' secondary? The uh, the Giants' defensive line and their secondary is very young, with the exception of Antoine Bethea, who's been in the league seemingly forever at 35 years old. And uh, they also have veterans Janoris Jenkins and uh, Jabril Peppers, who was part of that Odell Beckham Jr. trade. Outside of those three, not a lot of experience. And I, I think the combination of of the lack of experience, you're going to see Buffalo trying to go downfield a bit more. On the pass rush side, they're really only looking at Lorenzo Carter as a real threat. Now, he had double-digit sacks last year as a rookie, so he's looking to build upon that. So we're going to be looking at him matching up against the tackles both left and right because they will move him around throughout the game. But when it comes to the receivers up against the defensive backs. I'm looking to see Buffalo spread the field a bit, go with three and four wide to try to get real deep into their bench to see what can happen against the inexperienced corners that are out there. When you have four guys out in routes, uh, in addition to perhaps a tight end, the safeties are going to be occupied and that's going to leave quite a few one-on-one matchups. And I like this matchup where the Bills 
especially their deep speed, are going into uh, are going into uh, the Meadowlands. Now, something that may be underrated here. This might be a game where we see a little bit of tight end action from the Bills. Now, that was noticeably absent with the exception of a couple of catches by Tommy Sweeney. And I believe there was one attempt uh, to another tight end. But the uh, the middle linebackers of the Giants are questionable. Now, they're decent at dropping into coverage, but I don't know if they can run with a guy like Dawson Knox. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's definitely an opportunity to be had out there, especially because if the Giants had a good pass rush, um, you would have to be concerned yourself with keeping a Knox or a Sweeney or a Lee Smith in to chip one of the pass rushers that the Giants are trying to bring to the table, like a Marcus Golden or a Lorenzo Carter. But none of them generated much of a pass rush on Dak Prescott last week. I believe only one official quarterback hit was registered by the Giants' front four on Dak Prescott, who had a field day completing a perfect passer rating of 158.3. It was actually the first time a, a, a opposing quarterback has managed a perfect passer rating with at least 20 passes in a game against the Giants in their proud history. So I think there's opportunities for sure for Buffalo to look for those tight ends to exploit the middle of the field, the crossing routes. I also think there's a really good opportunity for Cole Beasley and Zay Jones operating out of the slot to have a mammoth day against a Giants linebacking core that can definitely uh, be had out there. And uh, I think one telling stat, you always talk about the Buffalo Bills and last year how heavy they were with forcing turnovers. Um, The Giants really rely on their defense to uh, get a short field for their offense But going back since 1990, when the Giants do not get a sack and do not get a takeaway like they did against the Cowboys in week one, they are just two and 22 in those games all time. So I think for Buffalo, if they can protect the ball and if they can make sure to protect Josh Allen, which the offensive line did a pretty good job at in week one, Buffalo will have a pretty good chance of emerging 2-0 with their New Jersey slate of games to uh, start 2019. Another area, Jamie, that I want to get your thoughts on, too, is the run game, the run offense for Buffalo. The Giants uh, did a really good job against Ezekiel Elliott in week one. 89 total rushing yards on 30 carries. That's less than three yards per tote for a very solid uh, Cowboys squad that usually excels in in running the ball. Now, a lot of that could be chalked up to Zeke Elliott having some rust after his long holdout. He only had 13 carries for 53 yards, which is a nice 4.1 yard average per tote. But the rest of the backs, Tony Pollard was pedestrian with 1.8 yards per carry on 13 carries. So uh, with Buffalo and the run game, do you think there's an advantage, especially I know Frank Gore got bottled up against the uh, Jets in week one and Devin Singletary had an explosive uh, performance. But what do you think for the Bills running backs, how they can exploit the Giants run defense or can they? It's hard to get a really good view of what the Cowboys running game was and what the Giants defense looked like when Dak Prescott was putting up. 405 yards passing in four TDs. I mean, he was 25 of 32. So it's almost like they didn't even game plan for the run. But they say that the middle linebackers are are questionable against the run for, for the Giants. Now, that didn't show up last week, but Devin Singletary... You know, we saw it last week. the The guy reads the defense really well, and with the lack of with the lack of experience on the Giants' defensive line, I think that you're going to see 
them try to manufacture some some run defense. So you're going to see some twists and some stunts being run by those linemen. And I, I think that creates an excellent opportunity because, you know, in order for them to do that, they have to leave their lanes. And that gives Devin Singletary a great opportunity to pick the hole to run through. I think we could probably say that uh, Singletary's probably not going to average as many yards per carry as he did last week. However, I think you're going to see Singletary easily put up over 50 yards in this game, probably get uh, far closer to 80 to 100, just because I think he has he has that secret sauce with that vision and that cutting ability to take advantage of of stunts and waggles, as I had spoken about before. And it's interesting, Jamie, when you look at what happened with week one, where the Bills started off with 19 consecutive plays where the running back did not get a touch uh, and they exploited the the secondary and the passing weaknesses on pass defense for the Jets. I wonder if Brian Dable is going to try to do the same thing against the Giants on Sunday or if he's really going to try to go after their front four with the run attack because the Giants can definitely be had in pass coverage and the Bills put a lot on tape for what they try to do with their offense. I wonder if we'll see some subterfuge and some deceit from the bills and maybe they commit more again to the run early on this week. Well, interestingly, Brian Dable has said that you, you prepare for each team individually going into it. So it looks like he's going to try to have a completely different game plan, depending on who the opponent is, which I really like that mindset. In the meantime, you have to stick with what you do well, and I'm sure they'll they'll do that. It's an experienced enough coaching staff to know how to win in the NFL. I, I I'm with you. I think it's going to be fairly interesting to see how they game plan for it. I I think one of the reasons they were passing as much as they were against the Jets is simply because Josh Allen was put in a position to check down and to uh, make audibles at the line of scrimmage. We're going to see more of that this week. If the Giants are stacking the box, which is not a bad game plan against the Buffalo Bills with a quarterback that has had questionable accuracy in the past, well, I think you're going to see a lot of throws if they begin dropping back into coverage a little bit. Allen's going to change up the plays and hand the ball off. And that is something that really excites me because they're handing him the keys to this offense. And only good things are going to happen if he keeps making good decisions. Now, Jamie, as you've come to expect on uh, on your tenure here with us on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast, we love to go out and offer what we call these predictions bound to go wrong for the upcoming week's game. Of course, uh, you know, you're, you're looking to get off the schneid. It's only one week, but I know that you took a little bit of heat on social media for your prediction in week one. The Bills ended up winning over the Jets, and I pick the bills to win. You pick the bills to lose, but this is a brand new week, albeit in the same stadium as last week. And you know what, Jamie, I'm in a giving mood. So I'm going to take you off the hook and I will go first with my prediction bound to go wrong. And you can think about what you want to say for, uh, for week two of the NFL season up here. But I just want to let fans know again, with these predictions, if you want to give us some feedback on anything with the podcast, you can find us on Twitter. I am at John Bacassino. That's B O C. C-A-C-I-N-O, and my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, you can tweet him 
at the Jamie D'Amico for his prediction. That's J-A-M-I-E-D-A-M-I-C-O. So here we go, Jamie. Week two of the NFL season, Bills versus the Giants. I think Buffalo, as I've said all along, is going to win this game. I do think the Giants are going to present some challenges for Buffalo, especially with Saquon Barkley, if they can get him on track. And let's say he rips off a couple of runs early. There's some ball control offense for Eli Manning. I could see the Giants scoring early on and making this game competitive. However, I think this Bills team top to bottom is better than the Giants. I think their coaching staff is better than the Giants. I think the talent overall is better than what the Giants have out there. And while the Giants might be a a team that has that major market mantra to them with all the the spending and being in New Jersey and having the New York City market down there, and a lot of their fans might be taking the Buffalo Bills lightly, I don't think this Buffalo Bills team is going to look past the Giants to get ready for their next two games at home. I see Buffalo having a ball control offense. I see Josh Josh Allen continuing his step forward with his completions. He was 65% last week against the Jets. I see him limiting those turnovers that really uh, almost hamstrung the Bills in week one. I'm going to say Buffalo is going to pull away with this one to win 30 to 17 in a game that Bills fans for once don't have to be on the edge of their seats uh, enduring a last minute comeback for Buffalo to get the win. Now that I put myself out there, Jamie, with 30 to 17, what do you see for this game? I I like it, man. I I like your prediction. So to fill in anybody who didn't listen last week, I actually predicted the Bills would lose. And I'm so happy that I was wrong. But man, talk about me getting blown up for this. A friend of mine or maybe a former friend sent this message. I'm listening to your podcast from last week. You picked us to lose. Are you kidding me? You want to be the heel of Buffalo rumblings? Don't F this up for us. Wow. So you're basically embodying a wrestling personality out there of somebody who, uh, you know, is, is trying to motivate and get the get the fans to, to go boo and, and, and jeer him. But, Jamie, I will let our fans in on a secret. You with your prediction, I get where you were coming from, because there were games last year or in the past when I would make a prediction with my head, hoping and praying that I was wrong because I wanted the Bills to win a game that they would inevitably lose or vice versa. So I get it. Like I get where you're coming from. So here's your chance at atonement week two. drum roll, please. What do you have? Um, I'm looking at Buffalo winning 27, 20. Yeah. We both had the bills winning. Give us a little, uh, a little explanation for your score. Here's my explanation. I'm not Jerry. Su- <laughs> I'm not Jerry Sullivan. Well, good. I like that. You you have your convictions out there. So you feel the Bills will, will get a one-score victory, 27-20. to 20. I say Buffalo wins 30-17. to 17. In either effect, the Buffalo Bills get their second straight win, according to my prognostications, and hopefully they can roll over that momentum because it's going to be a magnificent scene on the 22nd of September when the Cincinnati Bengals, who are a better team than people give them credit for, and we'll get into that with our preview podcast next week. That is not a gimme win By any stretch of the imagination, the offense looked fantastic and the defense went toe-to-toe with the Seahawks, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We will focus first on week two with the Giants, and then we will recap that performance here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. Again, we appreciate you all for checking us out here on Spotify, on Google Play, on iTunes, and Buffalo Rumblings, and where else you go to your podcast. Please tell your friends. Please tell Bills Mafia. We would love to have you be a fan and a follower of our podcast. And of course, for my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I'm John Boccasino. We'll be back next week, breaking down the week two game against the Giants.